tuning in with Care Asia, bringing human stories to life. Welcome to another episode of Tuning In by Care Asia. I'm Joanna Ng, your host for this episode. At the age of 23, Carmen Lo took the leap and left for Shanghai to experience a different working life. Since returning back to Singapore, she co-founded Afterglow, a vegan restaurant that pushes forth a sustainable, plant-based lifestyle. Hi Carmen, great to have you here today. Thank you for being here with us. It's my pleasure. I'm excited to see where this will go. So the last time we had this conversation, I was really interested in your China experience and I thought that today we could dig in a bit better on this. So sure. because I've been in China as well and this question has been asked many times by a lot of people. So I'm asking the same question as well. So why China? What was motivating factor that brought you to China? I think there were many reasons, but one of the first reasons that I felt was that as a young person, when I was in secondary school, I really wanted to be in an environment that's very fast moving and fast paced. So I'm the kind of person who don't do well when there's nothing much to do. I thrive very well when the environment is very dynamic. So that is part of myself understanding myself. So I think the first question to ask any young person who is interested in a different experience is that young person needs to know who they are first. I mean, even if you don't 100% know who you are, you have to at least have a little bit of a clue of what you like, what you don't like, and who are you. For me, while growing up, one thing that I knew very strongly is that I couldn't take an environment that's very slow. So when I was young, I asked myself, I found Singapore to be quite, I wouldn't call Singapore slow, but I would say Singapore is very repetitive. It's very predictable. Especially when I was growing up more than 10 years ago, you go to primary school, you go to secondary school. If you do well, you go JC. If not, there are many routes. You can go poly or you can go to work. So it's very predictable. And I felt that I wanted something that's out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I wanted something that's a little bit more adventurous. I mean, I studied overseas in Western countries and I felt that that was even more repetitive than Singapore. Yeah, so at that time when I was growing up, China was seen as opening up and it was a little bit ghetto then. And and I always, I really thank my parents, they always made sure that I knew my Chinese roots so I could speak the language very well while growing up. I was very in tune with the pop culture. I was very in tune with just the language and what's trending in China and in East Asia. So when I thought of the place that I want to venture out, I wanted a venture, I wanted a dynamic economy. I wanted a place that would help me in my personal growth. And also, I always knew my Chinese roots. My race is Chinese and I speak Chinese. So everything came together to a point that I decided to go to China and I felt that I needed some spice and excitement in my life. So you would say that you're a very adventurous person in general. Not afraid to try new things, always wanting something different, you know, like a different experience. I think this is one thing that I realized. I actually told myself that I do not want to lead a mediocre life. It was something that as a kid, as a child, I kind of like had that in my spirit. It's almost like as a kid, it's like I don't want to go around that mediocre life that, I mean, some people like it, so there's no judgment, you know. Some people truly, truly love things to be very, like, 
平平淡淡 and there's nothing wrong with it. Which is why I said just now, for any young person who is looking to try something different, we first have to know who we are, or at least a clue of what we like and what we don't like. A clue of who are we actually? What kind of person are we growing into? And that will help with your decision. So if I were someone who prefer a more stable life, and if I go to China, I would suffer. I mean, you know that because anything could happen there, like. Anything you could even stay in your own apartment, things will fall apart, and there is no one that you can call for help. So if you thrive on such things, unexpected situations, you will do well. But if you are someone who cannot deal with such pressure and stress, I would say don't go for it. You would learn a lot of lessons and suffer a lot of heartaches. <laughs> Going back to when you first went to China, you were at the age of twenty-three. So how did you find a job in China? How did you settle down in China? So when I was in university, I was studying in Melbourne. I kind of knew that I wanted to live and work in China, and there are many ways to get yourself there. So as a young person, you could either do a university degree there, you could go on exchange and etc. But I just knew in me that. I didn't want to do all these things. I didn't want to go there to study something because I wanted to dive straight into the good, bad, ugly of the experience and the life lessons that it would come with. So I could have find myself a master course there and spend a good two to three years there. But to me, because I studied overseas before, I felt that that's a very protected environment. I wanted to work. So I knew before I graduated from university, I wanted to work in China. But I tried to explore so many ways to get myself there. There's no way that I could. Many reasons. One was after I graduated from university, I was working for a big American MNC. So, like every big companies, they would say that, "Oh, you're too young. You need a few more years of experience." And now, as a entrepreneur and as an employer myself, I can understand where they're coming from, because it's a completely different environment. To put someone there who is like twenty-three, fresh from school, you are just sending that person straight right into the tiger's den, because China is not an easy landscape to navigate. So I can understand, but I think. Even though every single door was shut to me, I just felt that I really wanted to go there. It is supernatural. Like it's not normal, honestly, for a early twenty-year-old girl doing them. So every single door that I open and knock upon, it just closed. There was no open door. But one day when I was in Singapore, I saw this industrial magazine because I was in media and communications, and they had a job. At, and they were hiring someone that requires at least three to four years of experience, and obviously I had none of those. But I just felt that you know I just need to try, even though every single door that I tried closed on me. So I just sent in my resume. I didn't expect much, but I was like, if I don't try, I won't even get a chance. And they responded to me almost immediately. And, and the bosses, the different directors, actually come to Singapore very often. And they said they would love to meet up with me and to see if this would be a good fit. So I went for all the interviews without much expectations because it was very clearly listed in the job ad that I was completely not qualified for it. But I went and I sat through many many rounds of interviews. It was for, as I mentioned to you the last time, one of the biggest media companies. So I spoke to their China team, I spoke to their Singapore team, I spoke to their Asia Pac team. Had so many rounds of interviews. They asked me really tough questions. And I failed all of their questions. <laughs> I still remember the CEO asked me an IQ question during the interview, and I just completely didn't even get the question. It was so embarrassing. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm not gonna get through this. And the call came, and they told me that I got the job.、Um, and 
at that point of time, they had a lot of problem trying to get a visa for me as well because during then, 10 years ago, it is a market whereby, because they have so many people, so unless you have a wealth of experience or you have a skill set that they can't hire locally, so their visa policies is not straightforward. And looking on paper on the qualifications that's needed to get myself a work permit, it felt like I wouldn't be able to make it through as well. But just really thank God and somehow they approved my application and I went in and even the first day of work, I even pinched myself. It's like, am I really... When I went in, I was turning 23. I was given a very comfortable job. They really made me feel very welcome. I had one week stay in a really nice hotel. And I felt overwhelmed by really the grace that was offered to me. Because I was so young, right? So the whole time when I went in, I just kept feeling like... Not that I don't deserve it, but I was like, I'm underqualified. I'm too young to be here. And I was very excited, but I was, okay, I need to be careful because I do not know a single person here. <laughs> I landed a job. It was all really against all odds. And as I mentioned to you during the last chat, I was really curious why they hired me. So the first question in the welcome uh, meeting, and I had a meeting with the CEO who interviewed me, and I just asked, like, I just want to know why you hired me because I'm sure there are many more qualified people who know the market because I was really fresh off the boat. Even though my role was to look after all the marketing plans for Warner Brothers in Southeast Asia out of Shanghai office, and the boss just told me because you really wanted the job. He said, I interviewed so many people. No one showed the amount of passion and hunger for this job than you. And this is the reason why we hired you. And that was really the first lesson that I was taught in my young adult journey. It shows when you really are passionate and hungry for an opportunity. And I think for any young people, all of us start out without experience which is why we are young, right? If we had experience, it would be a different category altogether. You would be seen as an advisor or a senior counsellor, but we're all young, so we don't have experience. So what they hired me was because I was very hungry for the job. And that was how I entered into China. It was because hunger and passion was really shown throughout the whole interview process. And it was something, I guess, that worked for them and for me. Sometimes I think things just fall together. And I think going back to what you said previously, it was also about knowing what you want. It's because that you know what you want, that's why we have the passion to go for it. I mean, to be honest, when I was 20 years old, knowing what you want can sometimes to a person will be, I don't even know what I want, how do I even plan for my future ahead, right? So at that time, I didn't know what kind of career I wanted. I kind of vaguely know what I wanted because of what I studied. But if you ask me, was I super passionate about it or know how my life would look like in 10, 15 years? No, I didn't. But all I knew was that whatever little seed that I had in me as a kid while growing up, I just nurtured that seed. That seed was I wanted a different life experience. I was unafraid to throw myself out into a very different situation and I was very happy to grow along with it so that was what I knew of me so I think to any young person you do not need to know the whole plan of how your life would pan out I don't think anybody would dare to say that we know any of this but just that whatever little seed that is in you while you were growing up nurture that little seed and run ahead with it when you were in China, were there any difficult parts that you had to navigate around, like maybe cultural difference or difference in working styles, things that you weren't probably faced in Singapore, but you got a shock when you were there? 
There were many, many, many different things. Let's not even talk about the job first. Let's just talk about day-to-day living arrangements. You're not Singaporean, right? So we all live in either HDB or apartments with lift and with pretty sanitized environment, I must say. When I first went to China, I wasn't on a high-end expat package. Fresh grads, how much money can you make? Just sufficient to pay rent and just some living expenses. So I didn't budget to stay in a at least an apartment that I was familiar with in Singapore, no? with lift and proper sanitation. So I had to live in an old walk-up apartment. And I didn't expect that the change in weather with the leaking... So, I mean, old apartment, they are like 90 years old. Right. And I remember when I got the keys to my apartment, I had four luggages with me and there was no lift in the apartment. I stayed on the fourth floor. So it was changing of seasons, turning into almost autumn. So it was pretty cold. And the staircase was really dim. And when I was carrying my luggage up and they were way too heavy for me, I was struggling. And at the point of time, it just hit me suddenly because the weather was turning pretty cold and I was fumbling around. The staircase like smells moldy and there was just like a lot of baggage and luggage. And at the point of time, it just hit me so much of this fear that came upon me. And I just asked myself, yeah, I make the right decision. I really didn't know any single person here and I'm moving into this apartment whereby there is no light on the staircase. The apartment is really, really, really small and everything is just like not up to the kind of standards that as a Singaporean youth, you are so accustomed to going up to. And it just hit me. I was like, did I make a really wrong decision? And I questioned myself and I made all the way there. And I was really scared. I think that was the first thing that really hit me and I just all the positive thoughts and everything that I was excited about it just melted at the instant that was quite a scary moment for me as a 22 23 year old person because going to school is different going to school in a different country you have classmates you have dorms you have teachers around you you have a community but going to work in a foreign country is a little bit different you don't have that kind of safety network so at that point in time I was really afraid so that was one moment that really I will remember for a very long time in terms of working style absolutely (laughs) even like the cultural differences like for example my second job in China was working for a large American communications company a huge PR firm I've worked in their Singapore office, I've worked in their Australia office, and it's very professionally run. Everybody there in Singapore, for example, we go to office in a jacket, in a proper working attire, with heels, makeup on, you know, full-on OL mode, like Shenton waste. And I remember when summer came, when I went into the office, I saw the girls turning up to work in slipper shorts and singlets. And I was like, am I missing something here? I was just like, okay, this is very interesting. Obviously, the dressing style is way too casual. I literally mean singlet, running short, not even tailored structured short, and slippers. So I was asking around and I say like, is this how people dress here? Like, is this a little bit too casual? And it's not a startup environment. It is like a public relations company and our clients are like, GE is like Hilton, proper clients. And I realized something. So when I get to speak to them, so a lot of people who dress up in such a casual way, they're actually very young. They are like your interns and they are 
probably like the fresh grad, like your assistant executive roles. And a lot of them don't live in Shanghai, so they actually are from Waiti. So in essence, they are like not living in their own home country. And I realized that because the salary and the pay for these fresh grads, despite one of these girls that I know, she has a master's from the United States. But their pay and their salary for a fresh grad in China was like eight nine hundred Singapore dollars. They cannot afford to stay in the city at all. So a lot of these girls, they stay an hour and a half or at least two hours away on the subway line. In summer, I mean, you live in Shanghai before, you know how hot it can be. Yes. And subway has no AC. Ten、mm. years ago, it was really quite stuffy. So these girls, they would wear as little as they could. So that they don't sweat, and they would travel about one and a half hours from where they're staying. So this girl that I knew, she actually stayed about forty-five minutes walk away from the nearest subway to her house. So she would walk about forty-five minutes from her house to the subway, and the subway train ride from her house to the office is about an hour. So it takes about two hours plus to reach the office, and she has to walk half of her journey. And I realized that this is the reason why they cannot afford to wear a proper shirt, jacket, and pants because it's just unbearable. So I noticed the culture during summer. A lot of the girls dress in such a way, and then when there are meetings or anything, then they would go to the bathroom and they would change into a completely different outfit. So this, to me, was as a Singaporean, we wouldn't expect because we are so used to living in an urban environment. No matter how far you stay, you stay in Pasiris, you stay at. Alcang,、yeah. it's okay. It's comfortable, and the AC at MRT stations is proper. So this is one area that I had to really get used to. I was working and living in Shanghai, and I got to get along very well with Shanghainese. One thing that I really learned is that、uh, we have to make friends with the locals. Like it's very convenient, especially as students. So I used to live in Australia, right? When I was studying Australia, I was just really hanging out with friends from Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia. You know your foreigner friends. But when I was in China, I just knew that it wouldn't work that way. If you want to work, you want to get things done. You want to get trust. With and a dynamic of your coworker, you really need to get to know them. So that was the first thing that I did was to make friends with my coworkers and. Want to make friends with them? Shanghainese are very interesting. On the surface, they seem quite cold and aloof, but once you really get to be friends with them again, their trust, their loyalty to a friend is really something that I've never experienced in Singapore. So when I landed my first job in Shanghai, I was twenty two, twenty three years old, and I made friends with my colleagues at Warner Brothers. Till today, they are like still my best friends in China. And I remember, I think it was the second day at work. One of my Chinese colleagues, she looked at me and she said that, "Come and, you in Shanghai, completely no friends, right? So you have no friends in Shanghai. You have like no one."、And、I said, "Yeah, you know, I don't know a single person. Yeah, I came out over here by myself." And then she looked at me and she said, "Like, you know what? From this day onwards, you are my friend, and I'll treat you as family. My parents will be your parents, and um." I will take care of you, and all the way to she got married. I was a maid of honor. Wow! The godparents of her children right now. So I think to me, how to navigate China? We always hear about cultural lingo or、oh, relationships are very important in China's awkwardness. But I would like to take one step even deeper. It is not superficial awkwardness whereby you. Get to know someone for the sake of having an agenda, but for the Chinese, I realize that if you really treat them with authenticity and you truly 
really want to know them, they become friends for life. And because of such friendship I had in China, it gave me so much courage and peace to stay there for so long and to truly not just enjoy the city, but to thrive in the city. It is because of the friendships, um, the relationships I've had with my Chinese friend. I would say that they're one of the strongest friendships I have in my life even to today. I just got chills actually for friendships like that. So when I was in Shanghai as well, I met this Singaporean who lived there for 13 years and he's still there right now. And he was telling me, you know the difference between friends in Singapore and how you consider friends in China is that generally when you talk about friends is when you have something on then you'll look for them or like when you have like an event then you'll invite them along but in China it's much more of they are incorporated into your daily lives and it's all the feelings and you know that they'll be there for you when you need help and you'll do the same for them it's like a deeper kind of feeling that it's hard to describe with words but I think in Chinese they just call it German Yes. So it's really nice that you are able to like find friendships like that. Yeah, that is actually the core of the Chinese culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I realize is actually trust. I wouldn't even call it like friendships or relationships. It is trust. And I think this whole Q&A session, one thing that I really want to drive to is, I mean, I believe I'm Singaporean, right? You grew up as a Singaporean and one thing that's in our DNA as Singaporeans is that we are trustworthy. This is who we are and this is how many people of other countries they view us. So when I went over to China, when I introduced myself as a Singaporean and when I made friends with them, it's almost naturally when they see us as Singaporeans, they just feel that, you know, you all are very trustworthy people. You won't cheat me. <laughs> you will not harm me because that's who we are as Singaporeans and that is how they view us. So I think that as Singaporeans, when we go overseas in this regard, you know, when we go to China, this is how they view us right from the start. So as long as that is part of who we are in our DNA and we just be really honest and build good relationships, it's actually very easy because of the DNA of us being Singaporeans, mm-hmm. that we are just naturally very honest, trustworthy people. And they value this very much, mm-hmm. um, much more so than what you can bring to the table, how smart you are, or, or like what you can offer. We have nothing to offer to the Chinese now. They are equally educated and uh, international. So if you ask me, it is um, our brand of uh, transparency and honesty. And as young Singaporeans, we should value this ourselves as well. Apart from trust, when you were working with the Western side and also with the Chinese, as a Singaporean, do you find yourself in a unique position to bridge cultural gaps or bridge differences in general when working with them? Definitely, definitely. I think first and foremost, the Chinese are very straightforward people. Especially in the corporate world and in the business world, Chinese are extremely straightforward, are very forthcoming, and they are very clear about what they want and what they don't want. So that's the Chinese culture. And But you will only be able to get that frankness from the Chinese only when you have a relationship with them and when they trust you. So I think this is where us as Singaporeans, we can really be a bridge and we can thrive in. Because they look at us Singaporeans and firstly, we can speak the language. And secondly, in general, they think that we're very trustworthy people. So as long as we form a connection and a relationship with the Chinese and a true authentic relationship, then they will start to open up themselves to us. And they're very frank, very strong, quiet in what they want. Be it at a working relationship with your colleagues or with your bosses or with your Chinese clients. Whereas the Westerners, I mean, 
Westerners is a very large definition because Americans are very different from the Brits and they're very different from the French. Yeah, but I think generally the Westerners might not be that straightforward. So they like to do a lot of build the momentum. They like to present themselves in many layers. I'll give you an example. I don't know if you have watched the latest Netflix show like Emily in Paris. Oh, yes. So you see a very, very classic Western American style. They go into a meeting. They la, 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 la. They say, thank you for being here today. This is what we've done. Uh, this is our background. Uh, this is what our company have done. And they spend a good like half an hour talking about themselves and talking about why they should be here to justify why they should be here. So that's very Western style, you know. But the Chinese, when they walk into a room, they would have done some research about who's in the room already. And they kind of like, you know, know what this meeting is about. And they will be very straightforward. The Westerners will spend half an hour to build up the scene and atmosphere. The Chinese probably one minute. And they were just like, okay, this is my slide and this is why I want. This is my agenda. This is my KPI. Let's not waste time. Let's talk about how do we get there. So I think as Singaporeans, we, we grew up in a pretty westernized education system. So I realized that we are very analytical. We do very well with numbers. We do very well with hard facts. But yet we are also pretty good in narration. We can present, we can string things together, and we can understand the nuances of Western style, Chinese style, Southeast Asian style. All of it a bit different because we grew up in Singapore where it's very multicultural. So if you ask me, the role that we play as Singaporeans is to be able to identify, ah, you know, this person come into the room, spend half an hour talking about why they should be here. And you can immediately read this category of associates and you know how to talk to them. You know that they might take half an hour before you can find out what exactly they want. And that's where as Singaporeans, we are able to do that conversation and make this group of associates feel comfortable. Then you can draw out what exactly they want. Then also because we are very scientific, very data-driven, very numbers education system that we have as well. When we speak to certain Chinese, for example, who's more straightforward, who's more KPI-driven, and they are very clear in the results that they want and how to get there, then you know, ah, okay, you know, this is that style. So I think as Singaporeans, we have the advantage of first the language, um, and with language comes the understanding of the culture, because you can only understand the culture if you know the language. And also, thirdly, is that the way that we're educated, we can flow in both styles. So this is where I feel what we can bring to the table as Singaporeans. And I feel that as young Singaporeans who are interested to really venture out there into an environment that you don't really know how it is like, it is very important to pick up such skills, to be able to read the room, to be able to read the different communication styles, to be able to communicate your thought as in accordance to the different communication styles and to present what you want to present based on the best way that these people can receive. And that's really it. Apart from mastery of the topic that or the subject matter that is in discussion, of course. That's really insightful. And I think it's also because after you have been in China, and now that you're back in Singapore and you have founded Afterglow, I've seen that you have been doing Gertai Group as well and mm-hmm. other things. So is there something that when you were working in China that you brought back to Singapore as part of a, a working style probably or some qualities that you find that were good to bring back and mm-hmm. start in your entrepreneurial business? Of course. I think one of the most important things that I learned was I shared just now is um, being able to read people, not in a scary way, mm-hmm. 
you know, but being able to empathize different people. If I didn't venture out of Singapore, the community around me would be very predictable. You are Singaporean, so you know as you grow up in society in Singapore, the kind of groups of people that you hang out with and have conversations with, right? You can imagine already. Being in China, like even solving a plumbing issue in the apartment, it is a skill to talk to the plumber and to get things done is you really have to have that skill of being able to empathize these people that you're trying to have a conversation with and then be able to communicate with them in order to get things done. So being able to communicate with people, to empathize with them, to read the room, especially I think when I was in China, I was just extremely fortunate to be able to be in huge, huge projects, work projects that would probably take me 20 years to be able to even have a seat in the meeting by virtue of me being a Singaporean and being able to understand the cultural nuances and the languages of both sides. It gave me a chance to be able to be involved in projects of that magnitude. So the skill set that I've learned in China was really being able to relate to people. And when you speak to someone, regardless of how junior or how senior, just give you that confidence to have a conversation with them and to know that like, hey, you know, at the end of the day, we are all just people. It's nothing to be very fearful of. Because I was like one of the few people in the team who could relate to both East and West. So I was put on a lot of big projects and the people that I was dealing with were all in their 60s. So as a young kid, it could be very intimidating. But I learned along the way. So firstly, that was a very important skill set to be able to empathize and to build relationships with people regardless of which part of the social economic curve they are in. So that's one. Secondly, and it's something that's really helped me in my work, is to understand that I saw so many career paths that happened. So one of my closest best friends in China, she started off her career as a PA, personal assistant to the CEO of a company. And right now she is the main director for Disney to do film distribution in eight years. So that kind of things that you get to see in China, um, it really taught me that anything can happen as long as, as you really try. Because in Singapore, you know, like, just imagine, I just plant this thought in you. You want to one day be a director of a marketing company. So you have in your head the career trajectory or you need to start off with as a marketing executive, then maybe do a few years in-house, do a few years agency work, you maybe do a part-time degree, a part-time course, and then da-da-da, then you know, this is how you proceed up. But in a country that's so big as China, right, I realized that there are many path roads to success. Mm-hmm. And you don't strike someone down or turn down an idea just because it doesn't fit into what you think the route is supposed to be. So my personal best friend, I saw that happen to her. In Singapore, if you are being hired, your first job as a secretary, right? You either treat it as a part-time job to earn some you know, extra pocket money. You don't view it as an opportunity for me to reach somewhere that I want to go. Just treat it, ah, yeah, secretary, you know, what can you do with it? Um, and that's the mindset of many young people. That's very dangerous. So in China, seeing this show me that we really cannot strike opportunities or strike off people who have a mindset or a pathway that looks very different to how we measure success. That's one thing. And then the last thing is when I was in China, I saw that anything can happen in terms of any idea that you have or something that just seems impossible to succeed 
or it just seems like your carnal mind because we are Singaporeans, right? To us being Singaporeans, there is a certain way to how you do things. Then you go to a country that is like a zoo and it's just anything could happen. So you go in there and someone share with you about an idea or if someone show you if something as a Singaporean be like, cannot be, this cannot happen. Or like, hi, this person do this new company or this new project in such a way it won't work one lah, you know because mm. of the way we're educated and the way we view the world and then so many times I've been proven wrong it humbled me so much that my little way of thinking of what things should be I was so humbled by what the Chinese can do mm. that we think it's a stupid idea the Chinese defy against all odds they run along with it they think that it will work and they succeeded so it humbled me so much that it gave me a different mindset of when I returned back to Singapore, I was very clear that I experienced China and all that she offers at a very young age. And I was like, once you have seen the world and even when you come back home, you cannot unsee what you have seen. Mm. You get what I'm trying to say, right? So with all these things that I've learned, I figured out that I cannot return back and work in another marketing company or another, even a big communications company or in-house. And I know that I won't be satisfied because I have seen the impossible happening. I've seen my friends who started as a humble PA and then now become the woman who caused the shot for film distribution in China. We have seen all these things and coming back to Singapore, I just felt that I want to put good use to what I've been blessed to be able to witness back into Singapore. So it crossed my head, you know, after that, what should I do? Should I go back to a normal corporate job? And I believe that if I were to go back to a corporate job with the experience, I would be given a pretty good role and I could be very comfortable in a 9-to-5 job. And that was where it was the cross-junction. And I was like, you know what, just try something. With all the years of being in China and seeing all these things happening, let's try. And let me sow back into the younger generation in Singapore. If there's nothing I could do, I could at least share what I've seen and encourage them to take the path less traveled and to know that the world is bigger than our O-levels and our NUS certificate. And if we fail in the academic pathway in Singapore, it means nothing. There's so many more pathways to success and success is defined in so many ways. Doesn't mean a great job in an MNC. I don't even think young people care about it these days, honestly, because of the way the world is moving right now. Most people actually don't really want to work in a bank. I mean, you yourself, I'm very sure. If I ask you to work in a bank in a copcoms role or a investor's relation role, you'll be like, oh, that sounds so boring. <laughs> Enjoy running around more, talking to yeah, people. Meet people and, and do things that will impact the community that you want to serve in. So being in China just showed me that like, if I want to go back to Singapore, I want to do something different. And my measure of success, I don't want it to be measured to what I came out from. So all these lessons in China, what I mentioned just now, really shifted my paradigm. And it gave me the courage that's needed for me to start to really do my own businesses and to start my own projects despite many people saying like that I should I should go into a proper career and get a fixed comfortable income but I was like no there must be a reason why I was allowed to witness all these things at a young age and I don't want that to go to waste 
So that's kind of led me to my own entrepreneur journey. And in every step of the way, every business that I do, regardless of what it is, I made it a point to really sow back to the young people, which is how I got myself involved as a National Youth Council. And then that's kind of how a lot of these stories and platforms that I get to be on, it is part of that desire in me to want to really just to share so that our young people will just go out there and fall down and it's okay. I feel really inspired actually. Summarizing on what you have said on three learnings that you had in China, it's to empathize and learn to build relationships. The second one is there's no straight road to success. And yes. number three is that the impossible is possible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yes. I think throughout our entire conversation, you have been peppering a lot of advice for our young people in Singapore. But if you were to summarize for young Singaporeans who want to venture into China, is there any advice or do you think any expectations that they should or should not set for themselves before they go? The last part was really good. Actually, I had so many thoughts in my head, right? But I think the main thing is to throw all your paradigms like out of the window and really go there with an open mind because the China that I went 10 years ago is so different from the China like right now. Mm. And because it is so fast, it's such a big economy, such a big country. And I think in China, it's like moving at really lightning speed. I would say for any young Singaporeans who really want to go there, first, you need to really know that this is what you want. You, you need to just like, I'm willing to give it a shot and I'm willing to spend the next three years, four years of my life to pursue this path because it's very easy to give up. I remember when I was there 10 years ago, half of the foreigners that I knew, after six months they left because it's not easy. It's really not easy to thrive in China. So for any young people who wants to go over, first you have to ask yourself the question, are you ready for this adventure? And if the voice in your head says, yes, I want to try and I want to give it my best, then go with an open mind. Obviously, brush up some Chinese before you go. Make sure that the language is very important. Make sure that you don't need to be extremely eloquent, but be able to speak the language. Don't go there and speak English and assume people to be able to respond to you in English, even though they know English. It's just a way of respect and just go with an open mind and don't give up so easily. You will get there. Yeah, thank you so much for giving us so much insights and sharing your experiences with us as well. So I feel like in general, it's really to put yourself out there and push out of your comfort zone as well. Yeah, because like sometimes when you push yourself out more, then there's so much more that you can see and you realize that you can do and achieve in that amount of time spent maybe living overseas or in China in general. Yeah, I think just one last point to add. I remember when I was younger, right, when my peers around me all wanted to go overseas to study or to work. Many people had that euphoria mindset, especially 10 years ago when they all wanted to go to Melbourne, London, New York, those countries, and they have an expectation of how living overseas would look like. I mean, like Netflix, you know, kind of movies like Emily in Paris. It is very, like, filtered. And I think China is a different animal altogether. Mm. Even if you throw away all your mindset of how living overseas in the Western country looks like. Anyway, everything is being thrown off the window now with COVID. Who knows like how the world will look like, especially the West because they're in a mess. But in going to China, the whole mindset of how 
living overseas looks like will have to shift. It looks and feels, I mean, I used to live in Melbourne. Living in China looks nothing, feels nothing. It's nothing like living in Australia where things are so sanitized. Living in China, you must be comfortable with being uncomfortable. So that is the last advice, which is you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable in China. It would test your resilience, especially if you're going there to work. Okay, so yeah, thank you so much for today and taking your time out to you know talk to us about this. Welcome.